A quick note before we begin. Marijuana remains federally classified as a Schedule I substance under the Controlled Substances Act. While marijuana is legal in Rhode Island for people over the age of 21, the university's student conduct and community standards state that marijuana is not allowed on campus, regardless of whether an individual is permitted by a governmental authority to use marijuana due to a medical condition. Now with that said, here's this week's episode. It's no secret that college students smoke weed. The National Institute on Drug Abuse found in 2020 that 44% of American college students use marijuana in the last year. A visitor would become remarkably aware of that fact on April 20th on College Hill. Commonly referred to as 420, the day is sort of like a Super Bowl for stoners. The afternoon of 420, the main green was packed with students. People camped out in tents and sat on blankets, and student organizations sold snacks in front of Sales Hall. The gathering is somewhat of an annual tradition on campus, at least in recent years. On April 21st, 2011, the Herald reported that hordes of Brunonians had descended on the main green on the previous day and that the Blue Room reportedly recorded its highest ever single day sales total. This year, there was a countdown as the clock inched towards 4.20 p.m. Then, a cloud of smoke. Well, clouds. In March 2022, A Brown Opinion Project poll found that roughly half of undergraduates surveyed had used marijuana recreationally in the last six months. That number decreased significantly from the late 1970s, when almost 70% of the undergraduate population reported to smoke weed regularly. Overall, the numbers are perhaps something else has earned Brown somewhat of a reputation for consuming cannabis. Just ask Tucker Carlson. You can imagine the caravan of Subarus on Thayer Street leaving town. Newly unemployed inclusion officers, bewildered queer dance scholars, slope-shouldered film studies majors driving back to their parents in Westchester with a bong between the seats. A sad parade. So why does Brown have a reputation as a stoner school, if it has one at all? And how has marijuana use on College Hill changed over the last few decades? What about the last couple centuries? My name is Finn Kirkpatrick, Bruno Brief Editor and Arts and Culture Editor. This is the sixth and final episode of our season on Myths at Brown. And I'm Elise Barraquette, Bruno Brief Producer and Staff Writer. This is the Bruno Brief. Documented evidence of marijuana consumption on campus begins with a name that many Brown students are well aware of, John Hay. In the mid-19th century, before becoming William McKinley and Theodore Roosevelt's Secretary of State and Abraham Lincoln's personal secretary, he was Brown's class poet. During Hay's time at Brown, American author Fitzhugh Ludlow published an autobiography titled The Hashish Eater, which chronicled his experimentation with hashish, a drug made by compressing fine grounds of the cannabis plant into a reddish-brown brick. Its publication provided great interest to the American public and inspired many, Hay included, to try out the substance themselves. A remark from a classmate by the name of Gilmore, published in the book 
The Life and the Letters of John Hay reads, On one occasion, at least, his enthusiasm for literature was carried to excess. The hashish eater had recently appeared, and Johnny must needs experiment with hashish a little and see if it was such a marvelous stimulant to the imagination as Fitzhugh Ludlow affirmed. The night when Johnny Hay took hashish marked an epoch for the dwellers in Hope College. It's 56 years ago, but I remember it well. Hay himself even once wrote in a letter that Providence was a place where I used to eat hashish and dream dreams. Besides Hay, it's hard to find any mention of marijuana usage at Brown for over a hundred years. Mentions of the word marijuana only appear in digitally archived issues of the Herald twice before 1964. After then, reporting begins to pick up quite a bit. A Thursday issue of the paper on March 3rd, 1966, featured a full-page spread titled Marijuana, Problems, and Policy, the contents of which mentioned recent arrests and expulsions for marijuana possession and debate the benefits of enforcement. They found that at least 100 students on campus had used marijuana. By the following Monday, a small blurb simply titled Marijuana appeared on the Herald's front page, which read, The Rhode Island Division of Food and Drug Control has assigned an agent to investigate the possibility of extensive use of marijuana at the university, and that a division administrator had been concerned with the figure of 100 student marijuana users that appeared in a story printed in last Thursday's Brown Daily Herald. The university eventually sent out a letter to all Brown and Pembroke students on May 5th in order to clarify Brown's policy towards marijuana. Three weeks later, then-President Barnaby Keeney released another statement. The university does not condone the possession, use, or distribution of marijuana and any other hallucinogens or narcotics by any of its students. Any student known to be possessing marijuana or other drugs is subject to disciplinary action. Large amounts of reporting on campus marijuana usage appeared again in 1979. On February 5th, the Herald reported on a poll conducted by the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, which stated that 68.5% of students regularly smoke marijuana, and 86.5% of students had smoked at least once. Though some expressed concerns about the validity of the poll, weed culture was certainly ubiquitous enough for the Herald to extensively cover a campus marijuana shortage on December 3rd, 1979. The article, which exclusively used anonymous sources, detailed Brown students' difficulties scrounging for marijuana. When one source was asked if he thought the shortage would lead to a positive change in student study habits, he replied that, people are just spending more time looking for the means to get high. Conversations about marijuana's place on campus reached new highs on December 8th and 9th in 1994, when the Undergraduate Council of Students held a referendum over whether the university should maintain their prohibition on marijuana. In a letter to the editor, student Babu Kaza explained the rationale behind why he believes students should vote yes. We all know that Brown can't really supersede federal and state laws, but we can still send a message. Will it be a message that we're going to smoke pot to free our minds from an oppressive society and overthrow government? No, not quite. Not unless you've been hitting the pipe way too much. The message we can send is that Brown is still Brown. It's still hardcore and not a watered-down shadow of former glory a la Berkeley, he wrote. The referendum passed with a 59% majority, 
though it was largely symbolic, according to Justin Ullman, a member of Joint Effort, an organization that led the charge to vote yes. We're not actually attempting to make marijuana legal on campus because we know that it is not very probable, he told the Herald. One of our goals is to get marijuana to be an issue of health services, not police and security. Nearly 30 years later, we spoke with several students in the Blue Room about how this aspect of Brown's identity continues today. Here's one student who opted to remain anonymous due to potential professional repercussions, talking about the university's weed culture. I haven't really seen it in media, but like definitely like the reputation, like when I heard about Brown before coming, was that like it was a huge stoner school. And it's just like, as soon as it turns nice outside, it like smells like weed sometimes. And here's another student, Maria Claudia Bonaparte, discussing how she sees the impact of marijuana on College Hill life. That's also like related to the party culture because it's not a very like big party school, like of going out and drinking alcohol. So I think there are people who are more inclined to like go out and drink. And there are other groups who like will be happy to stay in their dorm on a Friday or Saturday night with their group of like closest friends and just like smoking weed um, or like taking edibles or something. I would say Brown is a stoner stoner school, especially during spring where everyone's outside in the main green and you see a lot of joints being passed around. I have friends in other colleges in the U.S. and it's like definitely there's weed, but it's not known as being a stoner school like Brown is. And my mom actually went to Brown uh, undergrad too, and it was already a weed school. That was Ramla Jabor. Students also emphasized that they were supportive of Brown's perceived lack of enforcement or taboo stance around marijuana. Here are Jabor and Bonaparte again. I think it is a good thing. Like, I think it makes you feel like safe in the environment. I'm not scared to ask for help. Like, it's not illegal. It's not like taboo to talk about it. I think it's a safe environment. If the school is very against it, then maybe like if a student is having problems with weed, um, they would maybe feel like less comfortable, like maybe going to the therapist or if they're having like something in the moment, like calling EMS. The weed has had a presence on campus for a while now. Only recently does it feel like something people are willing to openly discuss. In about 60 years, using the drug has gone from being actively investigated and policed to now being celebrated on a packed main green every year on April 20th. It is difficult to fully assess just how prevalent the drug is on campus. Yet it is safe to say that through the generations, Brown students have somewhat of a special relationship with cannabis. Whether it is John Hay dreaming dreams or a chorus of cheers under a cloud of smoke on the main green. Thank you for listening to the finale of season five of The Bruno Brief. This episode was produced by Elise Barraquette, Liana Hagas, Daphne Dolznevsky, Matthias Gersberg, Sonia McNatt, Jacob Smolin, Carter Moyer, Samantha Renzulli, and me, Finn Kirkpatrick. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to The Bruno Brief and leave a review. Thanks for listening.